Adult content intended for an adult audience only as this contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of this story is purely fiction and not intended for anything but the enjoyment of the listener. If you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out. Abuse Addict Joy by Lifestyle 66 Prologue My brother, he sat me right down and he talked to me. He told me that I ought not to let you just walk on me. And I'm sure he meant well, but when our talk was through I said, Brother, if you only knew, you'd wish that you were in my shoes. Yeah, I wanna spread the news. That if it feels this good getting used, oh, you just keep on using me. Until you use me up. Lyrics from the song, Use Me, by Bill Withers, 1972. Intro sitting alone at the bar. I was once again waiting for my wife, Linda. When leaving work at five o'clock, as usual, I first check on the youngest of our kids after school. Our youngest was now a high school senior, and she didn't take much supervision. But it was a habit I developed over the years to ensure our, latchkey kids, were behaving and they would know they had involved parents. I plan. And I always knew where they were and what they were doing after school. After checking on the kids, I would call my wife to plan our evening, sometimes meeting for drinks or dinner at a restaurant if the kids were all busy. When I call my wife to meet for drinks, we always agree on a place, and when she can get there. But after sitting in this bar, drinking, and waiting, she's now over an hour late. So, I sent her the text, where are you? Stop to talk on the way out. Leaving now. ETA 45 minutes. This wasn't the first time she stood me up, so it didn't come as a surprise. She either stops to talk with friends and loses track of time or she gets focused on her work and forgets. Or at least that's what she says. But I was on my third drink and couldn't handle any more this evening. Heading home now. See you there. Our daughter would come home from her high school play rehearsal in another hour. So, I finished my third drink and left for home to fix dinner. Early life Linda and I were both army staff sergeants in our mid-twenties when we first met in the basic NCO course. I was an infantryman, and she worked as a clerk in the corps headquarters. We dated for one year, then she was reassigned to another post a thousand miles away. We stayed in touch with letters and phone calls, paying long-distance charges at that time, with me always the one to call her. Then we planned our leave for two-week-long vacations together twice over the next year. I finally asked her to marry me, so we could arrange our transfers as a married couple to get back together on the same army base six months later. During those two years of dating and our long-distance relationship, I missed, or ignored, the early warning signs of the narcissist, always late, never concerned when keeping others waiting, only focused on what she wants, and was always into her makeup, hair, nails, and clothes. After we married, I found that she would write checks near payday without checking the bank balance. The second time she almost bounced a check, I started keeping a slush fund of extra money in the checking account without telling her, since a bounced check could have ended a military career. And when we were finally living together, I realized she had a shopping fetish, always coming into the house with a bag of something from a store, many times with things we didn't even need. But Linda soon got pregnant, and we were building a family together. After the second one was born, she ended her army service to become a stay-at-home mom, while I focused on my military career by volunteering for special forces, which I successfully completed. As an SF weapons sergeant, I even managed to get a slot to attend sniper training. The promotions in special forces came faster than in the infantry, so the deployments were worth the family separations, due to the increased pay and the occasional special assignments with per diem. And that sniper school taught me a lot about patience, waiting for seemingly endless hours in a hide for the right target and shot, and often not even getting the chance to take the shot. Patience and an acceptance of harsh conditions seemed to come naturally to me. We did have good times when the kids were young and during Christmas and birthdays. But Linda's idea of buying the kids' presents always went toward buying them clothes, her narcissism wanting them to look their best beside her, 
whereas I enjoyed finding the best toys they'd enjoy. After our third child was born, I thought we debated the issue of having more kids, thinking I convinced her we couldn't afford any more on just my army pay. But although she finally agreed to sign the paper the military doctors required for my vasectomy, in hindsight it was the beginning of the end. Since I was no longer able to give her another child, my sex life dried up. It was as if Linda just needed me to pay the bills and give her another kid. So, now I was just paying the bills. As a stay-at-home mom without a baby to hold, Linda seemed to become obsessed with playing video games. There were times I'd come home from work at dinner time to find the toddlers unsupervised and running amok, with Linda on the computer saying, I'm almost done here. Give me ten more minutes, and I'll start dinner. One time, when I returned from a six-month deployment, I called Linda telling her when we'd be released to go home after all of the weapons were cleaned and secured in about two hours. While other married NCOs and officers had wives already waiting for them, I knew I had to call Linda with an approximate time I'd be ready to leave, and she promised to come with the kids to pick me up. Later that evening, all the other guys in my detachment and company had already been picked up by their wives, or the single ones were heading out for dates, while I sat along the curb near the company area waiting over an hour alone for my wife to show up. And I could have walked home in thirty minutes. I understood the tensions between military spouses when one returns from deployments. The stay-at-home spouse often feels like it's an intrusion in their single-parent household routines. But I found out while I was deployed, the kids' report cards showed they were often tardy arriving at school. And when I was home, Linda would sleep in, forcing me to get the kids off to school on time. I finally retired from the Army as a Special Forces Team Sergeant after 22 years of service and started looking for a civilian job. The first job I got out of service was one I took out of desperation to keep the paychecks coming in to support the family. It was one of those high-risk, dirty jobs the government employees can't be caught doing, and they can't send uniformed soldiers to do. But my particular skill set was well-suited for it. The pay was very good, so when I returned, luckily unharmed, I spent the rest of that year focused on finishing my college degree as a full-time student and looking for a safer way to earn a living. With the kids older and in junior high and high school, Linda decided to finish a degree in computer programming, and I even helped her get her first job by revising her resume and advising her on an initial salary demand. But within the first year of her full-time employment as a computer programmer, she became even more distant. Now that Linda was employed, the distance she displayed between us was different. She'd sleep in and deliberately go in late to her. 9 to 5 job. So she'd come home late. This meant I also had to check on the kids after school, ensuring they did their homework, and preparing their dinner. I can't say our married life was all bad. There were plenty of good times, too, when Linda was available. But most of my life after the army revolved around the full-time job, then supervising the kids, and taking care of the house and bills. I came from a family with parents who didn't believe in divorce.so, even with the trying times my wife made me endure, to me, that was just life. And the type of personalities the army really wants to find are those of us who don't react emotionally. We endure, with the attitude. Embrace the suck, the rain shall pass. Now, with the two older boys out on their own and our youngest daughter at 17 years old, and no longer occupying my time, the good times were becoming rare. I found that going straight home after work to an empty house was rather lonely. Waiting for what? As I finished my drink to leave the bar, after my wife stood me up, I thought back to what was going wrong. When I was in the army, she was saddled with the young kids at home, so I knew she wasn't screwing around on me when I was deployed. But after she started working full-time, she had more opportunities. There was one time when I called her cell phone wondering why she was late, and there was a male voice in the background asking her to hurry up. And there was the other time I decided to surprise her by showing up at her office to take my wife out to lunch, only to spot her leaving with another guy. That might have been an innocent lunch with a coworker. I didn't bother to stop them to ask. But, embrace the suck, the rain shall pass. So, this time with the text messages, who knows? She may or may not be cheating. But at this point in our marriage after years of neglect, who really cares? I've read plenty of stories online about cheating or abusive wives, with their husbands going berserk. I'm sure there are plenty of despondent husbands out there whose wives cheated, and they would look forward to a retired special ops sniper going, scorched earth, to burn his bitch, and her lover, getting away with it due to my special training. But being a sniper is not about any emotional attachment to your target, or trying to inflict pain. 
It's a job. Plan the tasks. Set up your workspace. The hide. Wait for the parts to come in. The target. Set the machine in place. Rifle and scope. And pressing the on button trigger. Then go home to open a beer and relax. So, when it comes to the bitch, let's get real. The military tries to not promote fools, and as a team sergeant, I plan. I don't take unnecessary risks. I calmly and calculatingly think through the options and scenarios, and I weigh the risks versus the benefits. If I go scorched earth on my wife, I risk my kids and future, and for what? The pleasure of seeing the bitch in some sort of pain? That's not a tangible gain or benefit. And I won't risk my relationship with my kids for that. No. Uncle Sam doesn't deliberately promote stupid, those must be voted in. So, the best option is to skip this target, wait for the rain to pass, and move along to the next objective. I left that bar before 7 o'clock. My daughter and I finished dinner by 8, and I even cleaned up the kitchen. I was sitting in the living room with my tablet computer reading an interesting article when Linda came in after 9 o'clock, over 3 hours late from the time she was supposed to meet me for drinks. Looking up from my computer, I saw her drop two bags on the kitchen table with her latest find from a shopping trip. These two were lost there among the other five I'd left for her to put away. As she passed through the living room toward the stairs, I said, There's leftovers in the refrigerator, she casually said. I grabbed something to eat before coming home. I'm heading upstairs. And with that, she disappeared upstairs to her home office, secluding herself from any need to interact with me. At eleven o'clock, I put my tablet computer down and went upstairs, first stopping in to check on Linda in her office. She was playing solitaire on her computer. I'm heading to bed, I said. Are you coming? I just need to clear my mind for a few minutes, she replied. I'll be right in. It was dark at three o'clock when I quietly woke without moving. It's something you learn to do when lying in a sniper hide for twenty-four hours, feeling the bed stirring a little as she carefully crept into her side, trying not to wake me. This was the latest of many similar nights over the last several years. I knew if I rolled over and pressed her to have sex, she'd grudgingly agree. But it would be like fucking a lifeless doll, with her just lying there showing zero emotion. So why bother? A fair the interesting article I read yesterday described a website for cheating spouses. So, with nothing else to occupy my evenings, I checked it out. I decided that if my wife couldn't be bothered to come home on time or spend any time with me, then why not? After all, it's not as if we were even acting like a married couple anymore. My profile on the cheater's website soon received a few interesting hits from several different women. One woman said she lived about 20 miles away and was trying to find a guy for flings on Saturday evenings. Seeing how my wife and I rarely ever went out together, and Linda wouldn't miss me, I tried contacting this woman. She was surprised that a married guy could get away on Saturdays, and she made a few excuses for not agreeing to a date. So, I realized she was probably a paid operative on that site, exchanging emails to keep men paying for their subscriptions. And the same thing happened with two others, encouraging emails with promises of getting together soon, which never happened. But after three months of near misses, I finally found one who agreed to meet me for lunch. And Sandra actually showed up. She was a petite, blonde woman almost my same age at 50. Over our lunch, she explained how her husband has been impotent for over 10 years. She had no intention of divorcing him, but she just needs a guy for sex once or twice each week. And she was even willing to pay for a hotel room to do it. We arranged to meet at a hotel Saturday evening, and it was the first time I ever cheated on my wife. Sandra and I spent three hours fucking our brains out, and as we laid together in bed with both of us sated and finally drained, I asked. Does your husband know you're here having sex with me? No, she replied. He's at his club playing poker with some of his friends. I think he knows I have an occasional boyfriend. But if I'm home to fix dinner for him after work, and I don't stay out all night, he turns a blind eye to my activities. I don't ridicule him for his blood pressure issues and impotence, so we both get what we need. He gets home-cooked meals and a wife on his arm when he wants, and I get health insurance from his company. As an independent consultant in my line of work, private health insurance would be extremely expensive. Does your wife know you're doing this? No. I don't know how she'd react. But the fact we don't have sex, and she doesn't even want to spend any time with me, I don't see why she would complain. It was months of these kinds of liaisons with Sandra, fucking in hotel rooms, in a park on a blanket, or in her car. 
I didn't change my habits, still checking in with our daughter after work and having the occasional dinner with my wife when she showed up. And I never denied my wife any attention when she wanted me with her. I spent a whole day with her at her company's annual picnic. And I canceled my plans with Sandra to take Linda to a concert she wanted, even skipping dinner that evening when she kept me waiting as she was, again, late getting ready. But it was after our daughter went off to college, when one evening, I came home at seven o'clock on a work night from a quick hookup with Sandra, and Linda was already home, waiting for me in our kitchen. The tension in Linda's voice was thick enough to cut with a knife, as she said. You're having an affair. I saw the anger in her expression, and that caught me somewhat off guard. This was probably the first time in years she ever came home this early. But I didn't try to deny her accusation. I just calmly replied. You're never around. Well, are you at least using condoms? Or do I have to start insisting on them to protect myself when you ask me for sex? When was the last time I asked you? I casually replied. It's not like you ever want sex with me anymore. So, think of this as outsourcing, and you don't need to worry about it. You can sleep in the guest room. She insisted. And with that, she stormed out of the room in a huff, heading to her office upstairs, and I heard the door slam closed. So, I went to the master bedroom and moved my clothes into the guest room. Get out. The next two months were almost like living on a roller coaster. I didn't stop my fuck sessions with Sandra when she was available. And with Linda now coming home earlier trying to check on me, it only took two weeks before she angrily told me to move out. She even sent an email to the kids announcing, I've told your father to move out, and we're getting a divorce. I moved into a one-room apartment, and when I invited our three kids to meet me at a restaurant, we discussed everything. My daughter said it best with, Well, who didn't see this coming? You two should have gotten divorced years ago. But as life's roller coasters go up, they also go down. With me out of the house, Linda had to learn how I managed the finances, paid the bills, checked in with the kids, and generally handled other inconvenient things in her life which freed her up to do whatever she wanted. She basically needed me as her personal assistant to clean up all of the dirty work of life. So, she changed her mind about the divorce. But I didn't. Over the next months, the roller coaster went up and down, with Linda scheming to get me to move back and by calling and asking me to fix something at the house. Since we had to finalize the separation agreement and coordinate the sale of the house, I was obligated to keep it in good repair. But when she'd suggest I move back in to make the repairs less time-consuming, I would calmly say, No. I'll drive back and forth whenever I need. Which would have her shouting at me over being stupid. Linda's initial insistence that the divorce would be cheap and quick gradually turned into her insistence on a mediator, then to demanding marriage counseling. When the marriage counselor she chose found out I was still having my affair, he was surprised. Linda hates sex with me, so why would I want her to do that to herself? I'm freeing her from that responsibility by outsourcing. You can't keep doing that. He almost shouted. Some counselors just have a warped sense of right and wrong. And it wasn't as if Linda really wanted me. After the years of neglect she demonstrated, it was more as if she felt something was stolen from her, something she never used or needed, but still, I was her property. Happily ever after? After I moved out, having my own apartment meant I could have Sandra over for sex whenever she was available, without having to plan ahead for a motel room. But she was soon seeing other options with my pending divorce. Sex with her was great. But when she suggested that she might spend the night with me, I knew it was time to end it. While I was willing to risk my own marriage for sex, I didn't want to be the cause of breaking up another marriage. And I was soon to be single, and not yet ready for another woman to tie me down. So, I started hitting the bars and nightclub scenes as the only way I knew of meeting other women. Our divorce took almost a year to prepare and file the separation agreement, and finally receive the court decree. Linda got half of my military retirement pay for the rest of her life, half of our savings, and half of the equity from selling the house. But at least with her own job, I wasn't required to pay alimony or spousal support, as they call IT.SO, sorry to disappoint, but the bitch wasn't burned in this case, nor was I, since she really deserved her share from raising our kids during my military career. I told the kids they should always stay in touch with their mother, because she'd still always be their mother. Linda and I just went our separate ways. Early on at the beginning of our separation, it wasn't long before I realized that with my then-soon-to-be ex-wife no longer coming home to where I lived, I was experiencing withdrawal symptoms. 
other than the actual location of where I lived, my life hadn't really changed. But the habit of calling Linda, the anticipation of wondering if or when she would come in the door, wondering what mood to expect, and even seeing the continuous flow of bag after bag of more of her new purchases dropped in the kitchen were all now missing from my life. Decades of conditioning my reactions to her behavior left a void in my life. This felt a lot like I did years ago when I quit smoking. After a week of no nicotine, I knew the physical addiction was gone. But the anticipation of holding one of those disgusting cancer sticks between my fingers would drive me to pour another cup of coffee or open a can of beer, which only served to make it worse, since a drink in one hand and a cigarette in the other went together. So, sitting at a bar, missing the anticipation of waiting for Linda to possibly join me was driving me to drink more. And even knowing that Linda would never be coming there didn't stop that anxious feeling. I was conditioned by my ex-wife's abusive behavior. Even though I was now free to do whatever I wanted, the bar seemed the same. I was addicted to being used by that bitch. Women were like cigarettes. Once you get comfortable with one, they're addictive. Something had to change in my habits to break this cycle, or I would end up sitting in a bar every night as a local drunk. I needed to find another woman, one who wouldn't let me down by denying me sex or emotionally abuse me like this. The lifestyle I still wanted sex, with a woman, so I found a website for swingers and set up a profile as a single, straight male. Of course, there were too many single males on that site, far outnumbering the single females. But it was an interesting experience. I soon found some parties which were open to anyone who showed up. And I attended a few swinger, meetups, at restaurants, bars, or dance clubs. I even explored a few swinger clubs in the larger metro areas near cities. Those swinger clubs limit the number of single guys they allow on any night. But I soon made some friends among the married wives to join them in threesomes going to a club. And I received a few invites to attend private couples house parties. It was at one of those private parties where I met Judy. She's a tall brunette, at five foot nine with a lithe figure and an ample chest. At the house party where we met, she was wearing a little black dress, with nothing else and going barefoot the whole evening. I didn't get to spend time with her at first, as she went off with the party host husband and another guy. A half hour later, when I passed the room where they disappeared, the door was open, and I stopped to watch her on her hands and knees, as the host was finishing pumping his load into her open mouth. Standing at the door enjoying their show, I watched as the host pulled his pants on and left, leaving her still being fucked from behind by the other guy. When Judy saw me at the door, she beckoned me and saying, My mouth is open now, and you look overdressed. Ms. Wright after obliging the woman by fucking her mouth, she even cheerfully swallowed, then Judy and I talked afterwards over a glass of wine. She had to rinse that cum taste out of her mouth before I'd kiss her. She said it would be easier for both of us in the lifestyle if we go together as a couple, because some swingers are leery of single males or females. The married ones don't want the potential emotional connections of a single swinger trying to get closer to their spouse, trying to get them to meet outside of house parties. So, we agreed to start dating. After our second date, Judy pointed out how much she enjoys sex and said she wanted to spend more time with me. It wasn't long before we were sleeping together at one of our apartments, enjoying sex together almost every night. And at swinger parties, we'd have same-room sex, where I would fuck other women, while Judy's having other men on the bed right beside me. She would often look over at me to see that I was watching her, and if I wasn't, she'd reach with a finger to turn my chin toward her, locking eyes with me and smiling. I thought that was an interesting dynamic, turning toward her to see another guy's cock pounding into my girlfriend, or seeing her with his cock in her mouth. Later after cleaning up and going to bed together, she would insist on talking about it. She'd ask if I had a good view of those cocks going into her. She said she loved the idea of her boyfriend watching her sucking and fucking other guys. We both continued with some of our previous routines, with me disappearing on Sunday mornings for my usual 18 holes of golf, keeping me busy for five hours. After I retired from the army, I found golf to be a relaxing sport, focusing on preparing myself as the machine to trigger the ball toward its target, then having a drink afterwards. The routines felt familiar, comforting. Judy would sometimes have her. Girls night out with her girlfriends or visit her grown daughter, who lived a two-hour drive away. But otherwise, we began spending almost all of our free time together. Ours was almost like a love-at-first-sight story. Well, at least a love-at-first-suck. After the years of sexual neglect from my bitch ex-wife, Judy seemed to be the girl of my dreams. 
We need to talk we had been dating exclusively with each other, except for the fuck parties, for about three months. Then one evening when we met for drinks after work, Judy said if we were going to continue together, it was about time for me to meet her daughter. But first we needed to talk a little more about our pasts. She said there were things she wanted to know about me, and probably some things I should know about her. I hadn't discussed my ex-wife with Judy, and she never pressed me for any details. And the same went for her ex-husband. I felt she'd tell me what I needed to know if it was important. But I wanted to look ahead in our relationship, not dwell on the past. Mentioning that we needed to know more of our past, she asked if I was really enjoying the house parties with her as my date, and did I ever do things like that with my first wife? No, we were monogamous. I said. Judy said she and her first husband started that way as monogamous when they married. But after the first few years and after their daughter was born, she was the one who brought up the idea of swinging. At first, her husband agreed. But the tensions and jealousy crept in, and their swinging lifestyle didn't last. They stopped after two years. Judy said she had trouble adjusting to the monogamous sex again, and she missed some of the fun they had at the parties. So, she kept bringing up the possibility of getting back into the lifestyle. In hindsight, Judy said, that's probably what pushed him over the edge. We'd be watching a girl in a porn video sucking cock, and my husband would start getting hard. Then I'd ask him if he remembered seeing me blowing another guy's cock like that. And I think it opened old wounds in him. So, when our daughter was about ten years old, he filed for divorce. He just couldn't handle the memories of that time of our life anymore, or the images in his mind of seeing me with other men. He was still jealous having seen me with those guys and enjoying myself at the house parties. Well, I'm enjoying the parties. I said. I think it's hot seeing you fucking other guys. There's something I need to ask you, though. Judy began, her voice sounding serious. Are you really comfortable watching me with those other guys? My first husband couldn't handle it. What if we go to a party sometime, and you don't find another woman you want there? Would you be jealous of me still going off with another guy? If we're going together with other couples, it's rather balanced with men and women there. It's not like the clubs, where there are a lot of single guys. So, I'm sure I can find another woman to keep me busy. You're still somewhat new to this lifestyle with just a year or two in it. It doesn't always work out that way. There are a lot of wives out there who are at a party to explore more of their by side, looking for other women. Just because they arrive as a husband and wife doesn't mean the wife is looking for other husbands as her playmates. I know when Jake and Melissa show up at a party, Melissa doesn't even pretend to hide it. She wouldn't be looking to you. She's more interested in me. So, there might be a time when you find yourself as the odd man out. Could you still handle watching your date having fun with the other guys? Yeah, I think so. After all, you'd fuck them anyway if I had another woman with me, so what's the difference? I was hoping you'd see it that way. There's something I'd like you to do for me. I haven't found any guy who can keep up with my needs. And that's not to say you can't please me. You do. But some women can handle more sex than any one guy can give her. You've seen me take two or three at those house parties. Sometimes I need more. Oh? I asked, not wondering where she's going with this. About once a month, I like four or more guys at the same time. And I don't want my husband, or now my boyfriend to be one of them. But I'd like to see you there watching me. And I've been missing that, having you watch me when I'm getting it. I sat there speechless for a few seconds as she studied my face, looking for my reaction. But I was maintaining a blank expression as I thought about what she just said. Then I pointed out. You've been missing me, watching. You. In a gangbang. When were you doing this? My friend, Carla organized several guys to come over to my place two times during your golf games. But she's having trouble getting them that early on a Sunday morning. And I'd really like more, with you being there. Wow. You just expect me to sit there and watch you, as a bunch of guys take turns fucking you? I asked in an incredulous tone. And I guess you'd expect me to clean you afterwards to complete the humiliation. I added, my tone now sounding a little angry. And oh. She insisted, shaking her head. I won't ask you to do that. And she sounded apologetic. I don't want to humiliate you. I just miss you being with me, like when we're at the house parties and you look over at me when I'm with another guy. You've watched me do it, and you said you're not jealous. She was right with that. I did say I wasn't jealous and that I did like seeing her being fucked. But to sit there and just watch and do nothing? It might be like watching a live-action porn show. I sat back in my chair, 
relaxing after trying to think it through and wondering what the objective would be. Why? I asked. Why would you want me to just watch you with other guys? I don't know, Judy said in a dejected tone. Maybe it started with a time in college, when my boyfriend caught me. I didn't cheat on him. He saw me with another guy who was trying to hug me, so he thought I did and jealously stormed off. Then with my husband's judgmental issues and jealousy. I need to know you're stronger than them. So, I have to prove it to you. I thought back to those times with Linda and her going out to lunch with a coworker, my suspicions, and her repeatedly standing me up. I tried talking to her about it, but always got the There's nothing going on. Refrain with no changes to her bad behavior or any explanation of what she expected from me. At least Judy is being clear about what she needs. If you can watch, do this for me, just watch me, I promise you that you'll never go without sex. I want you to take me anytime, any way you want, and wherever you want, except for the day of my gangbangs. Then you have to go without sex that day each month and the three to five hours when I get my way, until I'm done. And you have to watch. Afterwards, you get whatever you want. I'm hoping you'll eventually take over interviewing and selecting the guys for me, to schedule the session. I took a deep breath and calmed, remembering the fun we've had over the last few months. The times when I'd finished shooting my load in another wife as I continued watching Judy with two other guys. After I'm spent from fucking another woman, it is, interesting? Erotic? To see Judy with a cock in her mouth while she's being fucked. If I just look at this as her asking me to delay my own gratification and release until later, maybe it won't be so bad. I guess we can try it. I said with only a hint of reluctance. So, what now? Now you're ready to meet my 24-year-old daughter. She said with a sigh of relief. After our divorce, my ex-husband made sure she knew all about my needs. So, she'll probably ask if you're ready to be a cuckold for your gangbang slut. And yes, she'll use those terms. To her, you're my cuckold and I'm your slut. But she's still my daughter, so you'll need to get used to it. Cuckold? I thought about Judy's immature and brainwashed daughter. I know who I am and fuck the judgmental armchair pussies like her. It's just another job, all about planning, and weighing the risk and reward. I refilled the glass of bourbon, my third, on the dresser beside my easy chair. Glancing at the video camera on the tripod, I adjusted it to zoom out a little. They were all told to keep her in a position where she could see me sitting here, watching her from the side so I'd get the best view of their cocks going into her. The camera caught at least a minute of close-up with the masked black guy pounding into her ass as she rocked back on him, and the one she was riding of the white guy beneath her. I shifted the camera to center her cum-covered face in the view as the third guy managed to shoot his spunk into her open mouth. When he was done shooting his load, he wiped the last drop from the tip onto her bottom lip, and she closed her mouth to swallow. Then my girlfriend turned her head to look at me and smiled. She ducked her head down as she concentrated on rocking backward onto the two Viagra-enhanced dicks still buried in her cunt and ass. My cell phone pinged and I read the incoming text from Carla. Judy asked me to remind you, if you're a good boy I'm supposed to suck you dry while she cleans up later. God damn those cigarettes. They always felt so good. Four of the guys already left, and at least one of them probably reported to Carla. And these last three shouldn't last more than another hour until Judy wears them out. So if I can just hold it together a little longer. Patience. Yes, still watching. I replied. Hearing the cell phone ping, Judy looked back at me, and I picked up my bourbon, raising it in salute, as I gave her a somewhat tight, strained smile. Then I looked at my drink glass and set it back down to distract myself with the video camera, trying to break another bad habit. Epilogue Judy and I were at the latest house party. Near the end of the evening, she was wiping away the third cum shot from her pussy as I finished fucking the hostess, Maggie. Dan and Maggie are a somewhat unique couple with their own kink. When we left the bedroom, Maggie made a point of letting my cum run down her thigh to show her husband. Apparently, she had done that several times to him throughout the evening. Dan told his wife he'd give her ten minutes to clean herself, then she'd better be ready in her face down, ass up position for her spanking. Maggie just smiled and cooed coyly, saying, Yes, sir, as she turned to head toward their master bedroom. Dan turned to me, saying, I'm looking forward to next weekend. Judy said you lined up nine others this time. Yeah, I have a few of my golf buddies coming over. And don't forget your Viagra or your mask. I reminded him. I'm hoping each of you can last longer with her and get it up again for a second or third round. 
I'm looking for the right mix of guys to wear her out until she says I've had enough. I look at each of these sessions like the old days in the army, standing in a foxhole in mud or lying patiently in a hide and waiting for the shot, looking up at the rain and thinking embrace the suck, this too shall pass. I went from one extreme to the other, from waiting for the frigid bitch to now being with the gangbang slut. Reflecting on this latest version of abuse I'm taking from the woman in my life, I thought, at least Judy's not leaving me sitting alone in a bar. And focusing on the videos is more fun than drinking. Tomorrow starts my turn again. Maybe I'll tell my slut she has to come into my office, to kneel under my desk, sucking me off during another Monday morning project meeting. Or I wonder if she'd watch as her daughter. Lyrics. Talking about people using people, it all depends on what you do. It ain't too bad the way you're using me, cause I sure am using you, to do the things you do. The End This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Visit the other channels for more stories with a different focus. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out.